welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Someone who does a lot, who achieves a lot, who's always big. I think, wow, look, look at what they're doing. As a society, I think we value that. I don't know if you remember the 1990s, but that's when I first moved to Perth from over east. I was here for university. And uh, I just remember nothing was open on a Sunday. Do you remember that? Nothing. Couldn't, couldn't do anything on a Sunday to do with shops and buying stuff. But now in our culture, we've shifted to a point where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost thankful that Woolies is open on a Sunday because I've always forgotten something and I need something for Monday. Sunday seems to be just another day to get things done. And it also appears to, it seems to me that as Christians, sometimes we look at the Sabbath a little bit like this. I, I sort of think I'm supposed to take some time off, so I'll have the Sabbath. And, and the reason is so that I can get refreshed and still cram seven days' worth of work into six. Am I ringing any bells? Maybe it's just me. But, but that's how I feel we look at things these days. We've come from a story, though, about Jesus' time, and I wanted to take us back to think about how did the Jews of Jesus' time think about the Sabbath? Where did it come from? Now, we might say, and they might have said, it started with creation. You know the story, God created the day, the world in six days, and on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, there you go, I just coined a word, on the seventh, he took the day off, and that we call it the Sabbath. It's a day of rest, the Sabbath. I like that. Um, and that's true. But interestingly in the Bible, it's not until Moses' time that the Israelites were commanded to have the Sabbath. So if you think about the patriarchs, the Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob, they were not commanded, you will have a day off. But we get to Moses' time, and the Israelites cross through the Red Sea, They escape from slavery. God saves them from slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt. They're through the Red Sea, and then they get this command to take the Sabbath. And this is the context. The first context we see is this. They've arrived in the desert, and there's no food. God says, don't worry, kids, I'll provide. So down from heaven each night comes this stuff called manna, and they get to eat it. But some of them, who are probably like me, thought, wow, I don't know if this is going to come tomorrow. I know it's miraculous and all, thanks God, but I'm going to get as much as I can, I'm going to store it. God says, no, 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 that's not going to work. Because if you store it, they found the next morning, it was full of maggots and it was really smelly. only lasted overnight. God says, don't do that. I'm going to provide enough for you each night. Oh, except, you see, it's really important you take a day off So on the sixth day, I'm going to provide you two days' worth of manna, and that won't go off. Miraculous. So God designs in this this provision that they have a day off. And he gave them some very strict instructions. I want to read this passage from Exodus 31, verse 14 to you. Because after God had been providing for them, here's the instruction he gave them. Observe the Sabbath, because it is holy. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. 
For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. Wow. Put to death because you worked on the Sabbath. Mentioned several times in that passage. Pretty serious. Why? Why so serious? Why is God so keen on this? Well, I think it's because these people had come from a culture of slavery. They worked every day. And God said, I want you to get this concept. It's so important that it's going to have a really important consequence. And he gave the ultimate consequence, I guess, for this particular thing. It was a really, really serious issue for the Jewish people. Now let's move forward to Jesus' time and we get to the time where the Pharisees were, were the people who kept the law and, and over time they'd sort of navigated this a little bit and that maybe slightly more lenient than that, had a few more definitions about what work was and uh, you probably got a warning before you got put to death under Pharisaical law. It was a little bit more lenient. There was a little bit more leeway. Um, in addition to that, this particular law had become something that was integral to the identity of the people. So the Jewish people were now under the Roman uh, occupation, if you like, of the land. And one of the things that, ways they knew that they were Jews, ways that other people knew that they were Jewish was because they kept the Sabbath. So it was this national identity thing. It wasn't just a, a ritual that they kept. It had become more than that. It's, I am part of this nation and this is what we do. So there are a couple of very, very serious elements to this Sabbath thing. And so it's not really surprising that we see when Jesus starts to talk in this area, there's a little bit of emotion that comes. And the passage we read this morning was from Mark 3. Just before that, in Mark 2, we see Jesus and his disciples walking through a field. His disciples are a bit hungry, so they, they pick some of the grains and eat them. And somehow, a Pharisee's watching and goes, hey, you can't do that. It's the Sabbath. And so ensues a conversation. And Jesus says, well, he brings a scripture. He says, do you remember King David? Actually, King David did something similar. And then he says to this Pharisee, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And what's happening here is that the tension is building between the way the Pharisees see the Sabbath and the way Jesus does. And the Pharisees go away from that encounter grumbling, who is this guy? Who is this Jesus? Now we come forward, I don't know, a few weeks, a little while later, and we're in a synagogue. And we have this encounter. And we see the Pharisees were watching Jesus. Why? Because they've got this history. Here's a guy, he's pressing the rules. He's, you know, as a leader, you look for people who are trying to break the rules. They're looking at this guy, he looks like he's trying to break the rules. And they're looking for an opportunity to accuse him. And what better opportunity with everybody watching? Everyone's there. Jesus is talking. We'll get him. Well, who's in this synagogue? Let's, let's think about being in the synagogue. Um, there are a range of people. 
a little bit like us on a Sunday morning. There, there are the, the people who are on stage, the, the, the people who are the teachers. Uh, there's, there's just lots of people who are faithful believers. They come and they listen. Um, and there might even be people just like us who need help and need healing. And in the midst of this group of people on this particular day, Jesus gets up to speak and he sees this guy with a withered hand and he says, hey, come here. Can you come here? Can you stand up in front of everybody? And you have to wonder how that felt, don't you? And I have in my mind two different ways that could have felt. Have you ever been to a live show, like a cabaret or a comedy or something like that? Where's the one place you don't want to sit in a live show? The front row. And why not? Because they might call you up. In fact, they often do, or they at least pick on you. And when you get called up, you know that all eyes are going to be on you. It's going to be uncomfortable. You might sort of be the butt of the jokes. It's awkward. I wonder if this guy with the shriveled hand felt like that. Oh, no. Jesus has brought me up. I know there's tension brewing. But, but then I thought, no, no, maybe, maybe it was something else. Maybe it was different. Do you remember a game show called The New Price is Right? Yeah, The New Price is Right. For those of you who don't remember it or, or never saw it, it was a game show where uh, you went along in the audience and everybody in the audience had a chance to win because what would happen is they'd call out your name and they'd say, John Smith, come on down, and the spotlight would come on you. And, and John Smith would know that when he got up to the stage, he was in for a chance to win a major prize, and at least he'd go away with something. So come down, fist pumping, awesome, it's my chance. I wonder if this guy with the shriveled hand felt like that. He'd heard about Jesus. Everybody had heard about Jesus. Did he realise the moment Jesus said, come up, oh, awesome, bit of a fist pump in the synagogue. I don't know. Maybe it was a combination of those two things. This guy gets up there, and and a fascinating part of this story is that unlike virtually every other case in the Bible, he did not ask, nobody asked for him to be healed. This is not a case where someone said, Jesus, please heal me. That seems to be the normal pattern. But here, he doesn't ask. So what do we draw from this encounter? Guy with a shriveled hand comes up, he hasn't asked, he's just healed. Wow. Here's what I think we can draw from that. That we don't need to do anything to be blessed by God. We don't need to do anything to be blessed by God. Sometimes God just blesses us. And sometimes the blessings that we get are just part of God's bigger plan. Yes, they're for us, but actually he's got a much bigger plan in view as well. It's a beautiful thing. So that's what I think we learn from this encounter. But what about the Sabbath? Let's cover off the Sabbath. Is Jesus abolishing the Sabbath? I don't think so. I don't think Jesus is abolishing the Sabbath. In fact, I'm not even sure that Jesus broke the Sabbath. Because the Pharisaical laws, as they unpacked what does work mean, it was all physical. You can't be healed because the only way to heal is to to bandage the foot or the arm or do some sort of action. I'm not sure they actually had a law that said you can't speak healing into someone's life. So I don't know that Jesus even broke the Sabbath here. But clearly, in the minds of the Pharisees, he was not doing the right thing. 
So what about the, the Sabbath for us? We've talked about a death penalty. Jesus didn't break it, but he clearly pushed the barriers. How do we look at the Sabbath? So much has been written about this topic. We could spend a whole sermon series, several sermon series on the Sabbath. I just want to give you a really short view of what one view on the Sabbath is that I I think is a really, really good one. And I'm happy to talk to you about this later. You see, I, I think that the concept of Sabbath initiated by God through creation and from the Exodus is that it's a time for us to spend relationship with God, to be with God and all that he gives and is and offers and live in the freedom from slavery to work. Now, let me be careful here. Work is a good thing. Slavery to work is not. So the Sabbath is this time to be in relationship with God and have freedom from slavery of work And here is the amazing thing. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. So when we go into relationship with Jesus, we enter now into this place where we have permanent relationship with God and permanent freedom from the slavery that we were in. So Jesus, in his coming, and he's pointing to himself, saying, I'm the fulfillment of that Sabbath. Now, we live in a time where God's eternal reign is not yet. Jesus has come, but he hasn't come a second time, and we still live in a time where the world is continuing to be reconciled. So we need to intentionally put time aside for Sabbath, but at the same time, in relationship with Jesus, we live in this place where the Sabbath is fulfilled. What does that mean in short? It means I do not believe we live under the law that will put us to death if we do not keep the Sabbath but we live under the fulfilling, graceful reign of Jesus Christ that he has ushered in. And within that, the principle of taking a Sabbath is a really good thing. That's for more discussion. Let's keep going on that. But I'm not finished this morning because this encounter's not over. We've talked about the encounter of the guy with a shriveled hand, but there's another encounter going on, isn't there, with the Pharisees. This is an encounter that happens a lot in the Bible where the Pharisees are looking at Jesus and what he's doing. They're encountering him. What is going on in this encounter? I would say two things. The first one is around authority and the second one is around their hearts. So let's talk about those two things in this encounter. And I want to start the piece on authority with a story from my my former life in a workplace. Now, I've worked in a number of uh, leadership teams and and been in a number of places where the leader, the senior leader, the overall leader, has transitioned, changed. But there's one very strange case that I had where the senior leader, who was a guy that everybody loved, he had great relationships inside the company, had great relationships outside the company, he had built some really good things and and had us on a great mission the way we were travelling, but... His time was over and a new leader had been appointed to come in. The new leader was a bit of an unknown quantity. Not really sure who this person is. Had different ideas, hadn't built up the relationships yet. And the weird thing about this particular situation was that the old leader was still there and the new leader had come in. So leadership team meetings were quite interesting. 
Because everyone sitting there was like, we, we really like the way this person did stuff. We're not really sure why they're going. But this new person's come in. They clearly have been given authority. They're trying to influence things, but we're just not sure. In fact, not really sure at all. What was the question? The question going on was, who's in charge? Who is in charge here? And I think that's what's going on in this encounter with the Pharisees. You see, Jesus has come in like a kind of a a bright young millennial to a boardroom full of wise people who've been there and done that and know everything that's supposed to happen. And Jesus is the one giving advice on what's supposed to be going on. He puts to them a simple question. It's advice, but it's in the form of a question. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do harm, to save life or to kill? The interesting thing about that question is in the Pharisees' own laws, certainly to the second part of the question, the answer was obvious. Is it okay to save life or to kill on the Sabbath? Well, just looking in the same story that Matthew tells in his gospel, Jesus uses this phrase. He says to them, if your sheep falls into a pit, you would go and save your sheep. Under your very own laws, it's lawful to save a life. And so Jesus is saying, my question for you is, is that okay? And by extension, you know, is, it, is it okay to do good or to do harm? Answer me. But they don't. They don't answer. There's silence. I suspect they're fuming that this upstart is challenging their authority. Before we get too harsh on the Pharisees, though, has that ever happened to you? This question. When the Holy Spirit whispers to me, Peter, it'd be a really good idea to pray tonight. I think you, you need to be praying about this. And I answer, oh, but Lord, there's a really good My House Rules episode on tonight. Who's in charge? Or what about when Jesus says, forgive your enemies? No, actually, just forgive your friends. No, forgive the people you go to church with, that person you go to church with. I'm like, but Lord, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know how they've hurt me. Who's in charge? I think we face this same question ourselves. Let's look at one final piece of this encounter with the Pharisees, and it's around our hearts. And I'm going to share with you something that is is, uh, quite painful for me. I think it's one of the most shameful episodes of my life. So I'm going to be brave, and I'm going to share it. Um, It's probably six, seven years ago, and our family was travelling We'd been on a long-haul flight overnight, arrived in Los Angeles airport. We still had 12 or 14 hours to go in our travels, and I was tired. I don't do well without sleep. I don't sleep well on planes, a bit grumpy. And, uh, and my three-year-old, my oldest daughter, was tired as well. And we are going through this airport, and she was not doing the right thing. And at a certain point, I just lost it with her. And I got all of my bulk and all of my height and I yelled at my beautiful little three-year-old until she cried on purpose. And 
I don't know if that sounds bad to you or not, but to me it's, I know I need to forgive myself, I know God's forgiven me, but it's one of those events as a person, as a dad, that I, oh, I wish I could have done that differently. And here's the thing that I did, you know, I took things like my authority, I took my size, I took my voice, all of these things that were for her protection. God's given me as a dad an ability to think about what's going on, an ability to to be big and strong to protect her, an ability to spot danger and look after my child. I took all of those things and I used them as a weapon against her in that moment. And I think that's the thing that hurts so much. And if we look at this story about what's going on with the Pharisees, Jesus' question about the Sabbath, is it okay to do good or harm? Here's what he's asking. He's saying, you've been given the Sabbath as a beautiful, blessed present from God. Are you turning it into a weapon? Into a weapon against the people so that they have to follow your laws? into a weapon that sort of elevates you as the only people who really understand what these laws are anyway? Are you taking something good and turning it into a weapon? Jesus' message is consistent throughout his, the, the Bible and his word. Jesus says this in Matthew 22 verse 37. He says, all the law hangs off these two commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. All of it hangs off that. When we look at the Sabbath as a law, it all hangs off love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. I wonder if there are areas where you might identify something that God's given you for good that perhaps you've used not for good. How about the way we love each other? Or the way particularly we love people close to us? Have you ever used that love as as a weapon? The way we love somebody? What about the way we view others? I've I've caught myself watching TV or, or even walking down the street and making a judgment about someone. And the judgment sort of justified in my head because, well, actually, they're not very godly. They're clearly not doing a very godly thing. So I'm okay to be judging, right? No. Thou shalt not. I'm I'm taking what God's put in place for good and I'm using it as a negative thing. Instead of looking at that person or people with love in my heart and thinking, oh, just how could we love that person better? Sometimes I'm judging, using what God's given for good as a weapon. So finally this morning, the the encounter ends. I want to just share with you what I think is an ironic and ominous warning. Jesus has been talking to these Pharisees and asked them this question, is it lawful to do good or harm? Is it lawful to save life or to kill? What's their response at the end of the passage? Do you remember? After this encounter where they were fuming, they were quiet, they didn't answer, they've seen a miracle, 
they went out and they plotted Jesus' death. Do you see the irony in that? And it points a warning to me that says, when we encounter Jesus Christ, with his opportunity to grow deeper, all of us have it. Here's the opportunity. Jesus says, the opportunity is yours. We can choose to take that opportunity or we can choose sometimes to go in a different direction and harden our hearts. I'm not sure there's really a neutral option. I just want to share with us that warning of this encounter with Jesus where these people who were supposed to be the keepers of this good law hardened their hearts and went out and plotted to kill Jesus. So let's summarise this morning. We've covered a lot. Let's summarise what we've covered. We've looked at the encounter of a broken man. He was healed. Hallelujah. He had an opportunity to grow deeper, didn't he? I wonder what he thought after that. He leaves the synagogue and, wow, who is this guy that healed me? He's got this opportunity to know Jesus better. He didn't come and ask for it. It just came. Wow. We've talked a little bit about the Sabbath. It's countercultural but it's certainly relevant for us today. It's an intentional time set aside to experience that relationship with God and the freedom from slavery to work. And finally, we've seen this encounter with Jesus and the Pharisees and we ask ourselves, because we see ourselves in it, who's in charge and where is our heart at with the good things God has given us? How do you answer those today? Well, I'm really excited this morning with our different format. We've sort of got a chance to chew over that a little bit. And our panel will come up and and they'll start to talk a little bit about these things. But why don't we close right now in prayer together and then hear what some reflections are from our panellists. But let's close together in prayer. Holy Father, thank you. Thank you so much for sending your son that we might encounter him, that we might encounter him through the scripture and the these stories of amazing things that he did. But also, Father, thank you that he is risen. Jesus, that you are alive and well and that we can encounter you in person today. Now, as we wrestle with the question of who's in charge and how our hearts are, Father, would you give us grace? Help us in those moments of encounter to turn to you and help us recognise those places where we might be using things you intend for good that maybe we're not using well. Thank you, Father, for the heart that you have for us. Thank you that you offer blessings we neither ask for nor deserve, but as part of your great plan, you give them to us. Father, we pray for growth in you. In your son's name, amen.